Life is full of events that leave you stiff, sore, tight. Think of the feeling you get after a good stretch. Looser, lighter, maybe even happier. Let's lengthen our perspective in life and celebrate our accomplishments together. The But First Stretch podcast isn't just all about fitness. It's about actual people who are bettering their lives in our collective community. It's about coming together and getting inspired in your own life. It's for people who want to stretch their mind, body, and soul by tapping into their own potential and self-worth. And really cool down after the episode with a brief meditation that ties together the theme. Just a reminder, but for a stretch. Hi, I'm Jen McCracken, and welcome back to But First Stretch. If it's your first time, I'm so glad that you are joining me. I can't believe the summer is winding down and back to school is in full gear. I really wanted to do an episode that is geared towards school learning, but isn't necessarily focused on the climate of today's schools. The guests I have are multifaceted, which is something that makes our community so special. They're not experts in one thing and always trying to grow as individuals. So whether you yourself are going back to school, have a kid in school, or just want to tap into the best version of yourself, this is a great episode for you. A fun fact about me, after taking two years off to be home with my kids, I will be returning to my classroom to teach history. My husband is taking a sabbatical. So he will be taking classes and getting the opportunity to be with the kids before our oldest starts kindergarten next year. It's definitely a give or take. I'm not crazy about giving up some of the control I had over the house, and it's clear when I'm always questioning his choices and why he puts things in certain places. But I know he'll do a great job, and I'm excited to see where this year takes us as a family of almost five. Our guest this week is... Krista Eberly. Krista is a mom of three, teacher and counselor. Krista has been teaching English ELA for the past 12 plus years. Um, it's actually kind of funny because Krista teaches with me in my building, but I feel like we've maybe only spent a few months maximum in the building together. I feel like our kids kind of stagger in ages. So like Her oldest is going to kindergarten. Her oldest is a year older than mine. And then I had a kid and then she had one. And then she had her third. And now I'm about to have my third. So it's so funny because I feel like we might have only been together for maybe like three months um, total. And we've been in the same building for at least six years. So it's so funny. Um... Krista has been teaching English ELA for the past 12 plus years, um, so we've had plenty of opportunity to come across each other. Um, She does hold a master's in school counseling. She's one of, um, I think, the few people in our building that have actually taken a sabbatical. It's not a big thing in my school, but in my husband's school, it's a little bit more popular. Um, Is MBSR certified, is studying for her Reiki Level 1, and also has some EMDR training. As a certified school counselor, she has been drawn to the ways our schools approach mental health. And it was during her certification in the field that she saw a need for a more focused and holistic approach. So she created her business, Teaching from Center. 
You can find her curriculum and resources at teachingfromcenter.com, something that she created during the 2020 pandemic. And I will say the need is probably just as important right now. The resources are meant to aid parents, teachers, and school counselors in helping children become more self-aware and emotionally well. I also suggest heading to her site and checking out her blog, too. Um, The one that I read was really interesting. It was called, So Your Company Teaches Wellness, But Your Public School Does Not. And I'm so excited to chat with Krissa. She is going to get real and talk about some pretty important concepts in education today, but you'll even see how when we look at education, we also have to look at the whole student, right? And I think she does a really great job of addressing that. You know, both students and teachers need a lot more today um, than they probably did when I was last in the classroom. So let's stretch our mind, body, and soul. So the first portion of the podcast is the warm-up, introducing our guest. Hi, Krista. Welcome. Hi, Jen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your background and how did you get into teaching and counseling? So I've been a middle school teacher, eighth grade English language arts for about 15 years. Um, I got into the profession, honestly, just because my entire family is and was a part of the education profession. Um, We've got school counselors, we've got principals and teachers and reading specialists throughout my entire family. So it felt only natural. Um, My dad owned his own business and continuously as I was a kid told me to be wary of business, that I wouldn't like it. Um, He was a real estate broker and insurance broker. So um, I felt either inclined to go into the business direction like my dad or into education like my mom and the rest of my family and ultimately decided to go into education um, again because of all the warnings that my father had placed in about business. I was always really good at English language arts, so that's kind of the avenue that I picked. I figured, you know, as a teacher, you get your summers off, you get all the holidays off, um, you make decent money, you get time home with kids. I knew that I eventually would want to become a mom. So it made sense to me very logically. Um, But as a kid, I never really thought through, and this is something that I like to talk to people about all the time, is we don't really give kids the opportunity to really work through um, career avenues because calling it a career avenue when you're just 15, 16, 17, or 18 is so overwhelming rather than discussing skills and um, talking about what you like to do, your passions, what you're good at, and then cultivating those type of things in, I think, project-based learning is the best way. But um, whether you're not talking about it at home as much or at school or with a counselor that you trust, it can be very, very overwhelming. So um, that is something that I'm very passionate about. just in my life and in my profession because I kind of have already walked that path. So now looking back, I chose this career path thinking that um, it would logically make sense for me and my lifestyle that I'm thinking, you know, 10, 20 years in the future. And it's funny, it really does. Um, When I started out, though, as a teacher, I didn't love it. And I think it's taken me quite a few years to really love what I'm doing. I still love the logistics of it, the summers off the vacation, you know, the, the those type of things. Um, but I've learned really to love working with kids. I've learned to love how much literature can be um, cultivating for kids to be either a mirror or a window into different lives or into their own lives. Um, 
and I love communication. The whole speaking, listening, reading, and writing um, is just very interesting to me. So I know that's a long-winded answer of how I got here, but I think that that's the real core and kind of existential view of how I got here as a kid, thinking about what I wanted to do and what I liked and being overwhelmed in that to looking very logically at, oh, this is what people do. This is what it would afford me, give me lifestyle. Um, so I'm glad that kind of I led with my brain and then followed with my heart because it's landed me here into a place that um, I do enjoy and make sense for me and my family. I love that. And what has been the most rewarding part of your job? I think the most rewarding part, um, personally is the time that I have with my family professionally. Um, I love working with kids. I love getting to be a part of something in the society that's important. Um, you know, there's times where that can feel very undervaluing, um, because, you know, you're not creating or selling something that is very valued in our society in such a capitalistic place, but it is when push comes to shove, it's so important. And I do feel that value then in myself. I know what I'm giving of myself to another person. And I feel that in both the classroom and now as I'm starting to pursue more of this social emotional learning, this SEL and mindfulness piece um, that I want to incorporate into the classroom and eventually as a school counselor. And I can see that going even past that into educational research and curriculum design that we're incorporating more restorative and humanistic qualities into each curriculum, not just counseling curriculum, not just literature, but into across the board, your entire school should have more of a humanistic, restorative piece and value, which goes hand in hand with critical thinking. And so that's where I see this all going. And so what I've found to be the most um, rewarding is that I've come into this place where I think uh, for the first time, I'm seeing that that's a passion of mine. And then I'm going to get to do that. And it's still going to be a helping career. And, and that, I don't know, somehow, I guess that is in my DNA. That's awesome. I love that. I do think today's schools need that that holistic approach. Yeah. I'd love to see more of it. I think that everybody needs it. It's just it's very difficult um, to teach that when you're not practicing it yourself. And, and that's not a judgment. It's just, you know, we've all been there. We have such a um, – we have such an academic and capitalistic society that – that leads a lot with the head and the thoughts. And so if we don't learn how to manage our thoughts and stresses, it can just become something so far removed from seeing a human sitting in front of you with, with everything, not just education. Yeah. And what do you think is the most challenging part of your job? (laughs) I think the most challenging part of the job is, so I think it's twofold. Number one is how emotionally involved and draining it can be because you are, you are working with people who are um, more vulnerable than you. You know, you're working with students, with kids who are coming in with all different backgrounds that you don't know about their home life um, or, you know, cultural uh, life, anything that's happening in their world separate from the school until you get to know it. So I think that that's the first thing. It can be emotionally draining. It is a lot of heartful work that you have to do. And then the second thing I think is the most uh, difficult is a systemic issue. I just, I personally believe that this system is, um, it means well, 
the, edu- the educational system was created to better our society, and for the most part it does. But it's also, I think, at a point where um, asking people to be at the same point when we look at like the common core and a standards approach, asking kids at different levels, ages, abilities, backgrounds, languages to be at the same place is is really a dangerous walk um, and can lead to a lot of kids feeling less than and a lot of kids feeling entitled. I mean, it just, I know that it is a part of nature, but um, I do wish and I hope to see a little bit more of a change into looking more so at how to access each standard rather than meeting each standard teaching kids more so how to learn how to be learners rather than students because pumping out droves of students is really just pumping out workers for the market so i'd love to see more critical thinking and more of a learner um and an individual unique learner doesn't have to be all the same yeah no i think i think you hit on two really important aspects that are challenging in education today um, let's dive into the workout portion. So can you explain what Teach From Center is and your beliefs behind it? Yeah, and I think that I've touched on some of these already in previous responses, but um, in a nutshell, Teaching From Center came out because of um, a book idea I had. And I wrote this book to be more of a guide for children in terms of social-emotional learning, um, emotional wellness, and mindfulness without using all the verbiage and terminology, making it very to the point and on a level that students could digest. Um, So I worked on getting that published and and hit quite a few roadblocks. It's very expensive. And I have three kids at home, so I didn't necessarily put in all the time to getting it published. So instead, I decided to pivot and use each of the lessons into creating, or each of the lessons that are in the book, creating each of those into actual classroom lessons, but also are very manageable for parents if they would like to do that at home as well. And the whole idea behind it is is really teaching emotional wellness and mindfulness, like I, like I mentioned, but putting all of this on a level that kids can understand and also takes out any type of religious or spiritual effect that may be off-putting to some people. Um, so the website then houses all of these lessons, um, and I'm continuing to add to them as I really flush out ideas for this incoming school year. I'm creating a little bit more of like a secondary level to these elementary levels that I had and so those will be posted then later too. No that's awesome and you kind of explained a little bit about your book Are You In There? What inspired you to write this book? So the book Are You In There? came to me actually in kind of a meditative state. Um, I was doing a lot of journaling and meditating in 2020 as I think a lot of us were trying to manage stress And, um, as I was doing so a lot of just kind of deep thoughts came came floating in about how we can, you know, our, allow our emotions in, heal them to feel them or feel them to heal them rather. And just little mindfulness techniques that I had gained from my mindfulness based stress reduction course that I took through Jefferson university. So each of these lessons touches upon those foundations and, um, it just kind of came to be. Uh, as I was journaling, I put them together, typed it all out, and the rest, like I said, was history and pivoted into more of a classroom lesson format. But both exist still, and both are on that website. Ah, that's so great. 
Um, so you're a mom, and what have you learned from your kids that is helping you create this vision and teach from center? Uh, they're like little sponges, and <laughs> you know we're feeding them their their emotional and um, cognitive brains and beings right now. Like we're we're almost programming them in a way. And so what I've learned is that if I'm not really mindful aware and compassionate of my own programming, my own self, my subconscious self, you know, my, my own wellness and self-care routine, my own mindful thought and speech. If I'm not very aware of that, um, I'm just basically putting that onto them and they're taking that in and becoming, you know, mini versions of, of me and the rest of their environment, not by any chance, just me. Um, so I'm learning to, to listen more than I talk. Although I talk a lot, as you can tell, like even these answers, I I like to go on and on, but, um, I've definitely learned from them to just totally take it all in because we all have completely different perspectives and letting them really lead. It gets, you get a better vision of what kids need by allowing them to do and just observing them, witnessing them and listening to them. And they've taught me a lot. So I'm learning that not only am I a parent or a professional, but I'm also in always a learner. And that's how I'm going to grow. That there are periods for healing and for growing and then for doing. And we have to be really careful of how we're spending our time and checking in with ourselves to make sure that we have some balance. Because otherwise, and I saw it firsthand and it happened to me, especially being pregnant during a pandemic. And um, we also experienced some hardships, like my husband losing his job and I lost my father. Just if we if we are out of touch with what we're feeling and experiencing and thinking, things can go so sideways. So coming back to center, and that's why I created teaching from center, I think balancing and centering in whatever way you need, however that works for you, whether it's journaling, meditation, talk therapy, exercise, whatever it is, or a combination of all of it, it's just so important. Um, can you elaborate on talk therapy for me? So I guess in my perspective, talk therapy is, is anytime you can talk to a person openly without judgment. Um, and I leave that up to professionals because I know that we're all so busy in our own day-to-day life that a well-intentioned friend can still be caught up in, you know, whatever they're doing to give you that one-on-one attention for you to just release uh, any baggage, whether, you know, brain or heart, whatever emotions it can be for somebody to hold space for you, to hear you out, and to, when you're ready, you know, offer suggestions of things that may work to alleviate stress. Hmm. No, that's awesome. Um, I know that we both started, I think it, you started the high school too, right? Yep. Yeah. Just for one, I did my student teaching there and one long-term sub. Yeah. And we met in the middle level and right. we now have young kids. Yeah. Is there... We're like, we're, we're leave, leading these parallel lives together. <laughs> we really <Don't> are. <laughs> Is there an age group you prefer working with? So I think I'm most comfortable now with eighth graders because I've done that for the majority mm-hmm. of my career. But as I was thinking about that question, um, I really, 
I love my little guys, but I really love those like early second or their early high school years, like mm-hmm. ninth and 10th grade. Cause they're like still kids where you can call home and that makes a difference or an impact most times, right? Like they, they don't want you to call home. <laughs> um, but they're also just the kids who you can level with that. You can have these really somewhat deeper level conversations and you see those sparks going off, right? They're like, they're there now um, cognitively and, you know, developmentally. So I think that's a really cool age. It's so funny. I feel like I didn't, I couldn't see myself teaching younger kids, but now like having younger kids and, you know, I've taught some like yoga classes to elementary school age kids. And I'm like, this age group is so special. Like it, it's truly such a cool part of their life. And, um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I love 11th grade. So it was like eye opening to see how much I like kids. Yeah, and to know that you can do those, like, all levels, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool that, like, you know, you and I now do have a perspective of little kids, middle kids, and high school kids. Mm-hmm. And how, like, each is really special, but you feel more comfortable the more that you do one or the other, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have never been comfortable teaching little kids until I have them because they're, like, a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. They're, like, these little people, but also with these big you know, emotions. Um, so yeah, it takes a lot of experience, I think, to feel comfortable, at least for me, Mm -hmm. for me, it's a lot of experience to feel comfortable teaching anything and any age. Yeah, no, I agree. I think experience is so important and it's something we don't, we just expect like, Oh, we'll be natural at it. It'll be perfect. Oh God, (laughs) you're talking my language. It's like a daily thing for me to retrain it's okay you're doing it's the first time it's okay right and mm-hmm. then like you get the experience and you feel so good about it because you witnessed all of those first times that you put in to develop this skill and it's just very rewarding at the end yeah I love that um what about skills and resources that teachers are going to need maybe parents are going to need as we go back to school in the fall I think like the best and shortest answer is that each person has to really trust themselves and however you get there, you know, to each their own path, but to trust yourself and to trust your family and to, you know, not try to do it all right and all, um, perfectly or all right now. Cause so much was thrown at us, whether that's, um, you know, medically, um, or socially, um, or politically, you know, there was just so much that has happened. And I think we all just need to find ways to give ourselves grace and our each other grace and to just take it day by day because there's, there's been so much change and I don't believe that it's going to stop. I think there's going to continue to be so much change. So the more that we can detach ourselves from outcomes, and um, just kind of look big picture, humanizing, you know, education and um, and cutting ourselves a break as parents, too. I think that that's the most important thing that mm-hmm. we can all do, that we can at least start there. You know, you start with awareness and end with awareness. And I think that that's probably what my focus is going to be. I like that. I think that it's so important. There are it's, it's going to be a wild start, just like, you know, like hold on to your hat yeah (laughs) yeah 
No, I like that. And I like the I like the idea of detaching from outcomes. It, literally the hardest thing to do, but it's near impossible, <laughs> but when you can, oof, is it springing. <laughs> Um, one of your many strengths is being able to work with kids of, and I'll say varying attitudes just to keep it simple here. Um, what's something that you think about when talking to and addressing kids? Uh, definitely. I think about my choice of words very carefully. Um, not being assumptive, um, being mindful of what I'm saying, trying to, um, humanize that relationship, you know, sharing that we all go through difficulties. It's okay to feel feelings. It's okay for us to get upset. You know, I almost treating it like how I do with toddlers. It's okay to feel your feelings, right? It's not okay to hit, but it is okay to feel angry, those type of things. Um, and being mindful that adolescents, I think very similarly to toddlers are in a huge brain developed stage and so they are on such high alert um, at all times because they are just figuring things out and they don't have all of that um, frontal cortex I think right the executive functioning piece in um, management piece in their brains literally they do not have it so we have to be so compassionate with kids or I believe um, to be so compassionate with this age level and to know that when they're speaking and when they're um, having an outburst or a difficult day, or maybe, you know, even kids who fly under the radar, when you have these conversations with them to try to bring it up and to connect and, and to help them so that you can get to the academic material, especially um, that we're just really aware as, as adults that we can't take things personally at all. You know, we are an influence in their lives, but they have so much more of a life than we even know. And, um, so whatever they may say or do just to always step back from it and to take your ego out of the situation, whether that's allowing your ego to get attached to an outcome with them, that's positive or negative, just trying to stay kind of out of it yourself emotionally and allowing them to be the focus rather than how you feel about what they feel about you. Yeah. And that's like, I think it's like so important when we look at that with kids. I'm interested, you know, to see how spending the last two years at home with toddlers is going to affect how I handle that in the classroom because it is. It's, Girls. <laughs> it's experience and it's good experience. So I know and I know the kids are coming in with a lot of stuff this year. So it's really important to take yourself out of that whole situation. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It will be very interesting. Very, very interesting. I'm, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. I, I've been out for a year and a half, and so much has happened. Um, and it's just going to be, you know, all of us are in this kind of stage of, I don't know, renaissance. Like, we're all just going through this, this newness together. And um, that can breed a lot of competition and resentment and jealousy, or it could also be very unifying and compassionate and so we all just have to make that choice I think every day to to go the human route mm -hmm. I like that um so what's next for you what's next for your post-pandemic goals personal professional I don't 
know, man. I feel like just day by day at this point, <laughs> I, I we've talked about this before, and I think that my answer changes so much. Like, like this whole thing about not worrying about outcomes. It doesn't mean not to to plan or to plant seeds of intention or to you know develop yourself, um, set goals, all of that. Um, but I think I'm learning that the day by day is so important, or, or I'm missing you know the joy in each moment. I know um, the one thing, though, professionally that I will share is um, incorporating what I'm calling now a learner's literacy piece into my classroom. Started it as kind of a life literacy, but that sounds a little preachy to me. So this learner's literacy really focuses on how we individually learn and teaching kids how the brain functions and how to um, check in with yourself and um, strategies for... um, finding, you know, how you learn, um, individually, um, just all different pieces to kind of the mindfulness, social, emotional learning sectors, but also now tying that into education, how all of us functions as mind, body, heart, soul, whatever you want to call it. And so helping kids to bring in themselves and discover how they learn based on how unique they are and teaching them how unique they are and how to then be the best version of a learner that they can, not student, but learner. Yeah, I think that's so important. And it's so hard, I feel like, to explain or even have kids feel like they are so much more important than a grade. Yes. Like, it's not, it's so hard because a lot of times they get attached to well, I'm pretty much a C student, so this is who I am. I'm like, but you're not like a C person. <laughs> like, yeah, right. And it's hard to explain that, mm-hmm. it, especially because you and I and all of the educators are confined to this, you know, system, this structure that, that is grades-based and numbers-based and data-based and um, standards-based. So it's hard for us to, like, preach that to them in a way that makes them feel like, okay, yeah, I believe it. But also, you know, my report card says a C. And it's just such a hard balance to for us, you know, as well as for them. But again, you know, we have to just keep trying mm-hmm. and and evolving and eventually, you know, with enough experience and and compassion, I think we'll all find our way. I love that. And how about how about like personal goals do you have? Maybe even it could be long-term, short-term. Yeah, I mean, so this has been a real a really doozy of a year for me. I've been in this kind of like healing and growing stage and it's very personal but I want to be open about it because I think we all go through such times um and for me this just happened in such a condensed period that I like had no other option but to ask for help and I did and I'm so glad that I did I went through the mindfulness-based stress reduction course and that gives me a certification to teach it but also it was so important that I did it that I learned those strategies for myself and for my stress reduction Um, and I also, you know, speak with a therapist over, uh, telemed, you know, it's virtual. So that is so nice. And I just think that that's something that everybody, um, hopefully with insurance, you know, takes the time to do because it's there and it's so much easier now. So with all of that in mind, my goals, um, and what's next for me is just to continue on this path and to continue practicing what I'm preaching. Although I hope I never do preach this information just to really, um, ground myself in these strategies, these scientific and spiritual strategies 
and to just be able to then um, empathize with anybody else and hopefully to lead in that way down the road, whether that is, you know, an online community or whether I become the school counselor or even this, you know, curriculum development, that's what, that's however it works each day. That's my seeds for intention. And that's what I'm going to continue to focus on. I love that. I think, I actually think it would be really fun to do like, maybe like an intention podcast, like how to set intentions. Like, you know, I ask that of my yoga students when I do it. And some days you're like, ah, I don't, this is stressful. I don't know if I just want to like be in this yoga class. I don't have anything else, you know, and that's okay. (laughs) It is. It's so much because I think we're, we're in this culture, in this like rat race that you can become so detached from emotions and thoughts and like where they connect to even know, well, what would be my intention? What do I want even? Mm -hmm. Because right now I want to just get this workout in because I want to be thin, but have I realized that it's more about that? And, you know, where that leads me. And it's so hard to slow yourself down enough to even ask, what do I want? How do I feel? You know, all of that. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. Well, that's, that's fun. I could really talk about that all day. I I know. Me too. (laughs) We're going to have to do that next time. I know. know. Um, How can we get in contact with you via social media? Okay. So I have an Instagram account called Teaching From Center. Um, and all of the materials that I've talked about that I created from the book and all the lessons, um, uh, and resources are on my website, the www.teachingfromcenter.com. And we'll see, there may be more. I might be adding some more as we go on through this year with the learner's literacy piece that I'm adding into the classroom. So, but that would be the best place is the website. That's awesome. Um, so these are my three wrap-up questions that I ask everyone, and I'm so excited to hear what your answers are. Um, what stretches are you doing in your own life right now? What stretches? Mm-hmm. Uh, like actual physical stretches? It or doesn't have to be actual physical. It can be. It doesn't okay. have to be. Okay, well, I'm really into physically hip openers. Mm-hmm. Turns out after you have a baby, those are really important. Yep, yep. Important. I think that there's something to like that mind body connection that, and I've read this book before called the body keeps the score, how trauma and information is stored in your body. And I think, uh, the hips, especially for women, right? Like, I mean, we're having children and that's where our power comes from. And, um, so stretching that out and being mindful and like taking care of myself in that capacity is where I'm really focused. And I guess that answers kind of that second piece of that is, um, stretching as a mom, just being aware and available for these kids. Uh, And it can be hard day to day when you're with them all the time um, to spend that quality time. But for sure, it's something that I want to, now that I've gotten my feet under me with three kids, I want to make sure that I spend that quality time and questioning and, and compassion with each of my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting how each kid needs something so different. Oh my God, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> um, what is something that you're enjoying doing in your life for you? I'm loving yoga. Um, I got into that like in my 20s, but, but always in a very vain mentality of like, okay, well, I need to stretch and I'll do hot yoga and that will burn the most calories. Um, now it's much more of a self-care 
mind body connection um, that I'm loving and you still see the results. So that's a nice, you know, that's a nice <laughs> bonus, bonus, but yeah, definitely yoga. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like so many people start with like the hot yoga and they, yep. for that reason, and then yep. as they grow up, grow up, it's like, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I need more than just that body aspect. Yep. And yeah. sometimes I wonder if that's like the whole Western Eastern difference, mm-hmm. right? right? Like Westerners, we're like looking for the benefit. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you age, you get a little bit more wisdom. And that kind of goes into that Eastern mentality of, you know, slow down, mm-hmm. like take care. And that's a whole different um ball game. So the shift is important. The balance is important. All of it. Absolutely. <laughs> and what's something you can't stop talking about? Oh my God. I talk too much. Um, mindfulness probably. It's like all <laughs> I talk about. I'll tell you what though. It's, it found it to be the umbrella of everything. Like you want to do Reiki, you want to do, um, trauma informed response. You want to talk about just, you know, being a good partner or listener or um, really discovering things about yourself that you maybe didn't want to see before or you were longing to see and you finally found. Like, I think the umbrella of mindfulness and just learning the science behind it um, is just, is everything. I think everything fits under it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so great to talk to you today. I know, you too my parallel life liver. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Carissa today. I love how she said a few things that are going to resonate with me this year. First of all, lead with the brain and follow with your heart. Also, the whole idea, like, I don't know, maybe this is something I've just been working on for years, but taking your own ego out of the situation or outcome. You know, sometimes... Most times, things happen that you have very little control over, even if you think you're in control, and just taking away that need of a specific outcome. I will say, you know, that might be one of the things that my kids are teaching me too, is like, you know, we don't know when they're going to come into the world. It's their decision, and it's uh, taking yourself out and what you want and kind of letting their own personality shine. So I do want to do a special cool down meditation that I wrote um, tying together the themes of this episode. So if you could come into a comfortable seated position and that might be sitting crisscross or extending the legs out nice and long, you're welcome to use a wall or chair that gives you a little bit more support It might even be nice to put the legs up the wall for this one, like getting rid of the lactic acid buildup. This is probably the one I would choose for this meditation. And, you know, you can rest your head on a pillow or something comfortable. Whenever you get into this comfortable position for you, feel free to pause this as you find your way. Just take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Perhaps let the eyes close or gently lower the lids of the eyes down. 
Allow yourself to come into this present moment. Notice the spot in your body, perhaps the circle around the heart space, the center. Allow yourself to come back to center. Just breathe in. Breathe out. Now bring your awareness to your exhale. Maybe noticing if the exhale is longer than the inhale. And on each exhale, imagine a negative thought leaving your body. Exhale whatever in your mind needs to leave. I'm not good enough. I'm scared. I'm anxious for what's to come. Exhale all that is blocking your emotional wellness. Exhale all that the ego is attached to. Now bring your awareness to your inhale. Notice your chest rising, your belly lifting on each breath in. Inhale peace. Inhale love. Inhale patience for yourself. Come back to your center. taking a deep breath in 
and a deep breath out. Slowly start to flutter the eyes back open, bringing your awareness back into the room. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of But First Stretch. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. Please give it a positive review on iTunes or Spotify or however you listen. And have a wonderful day.